0: Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything—yes, everything—in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer because this is Speed Zone. And welcome everybody tonight to Speed Zone, it's the third ever episode of Speed Zone. We got. A lot on tap tonight, and uh, no interview tonight, because we got a lot of time we need to focus on Formula One and IndyCar, which are coming back this weekend, IndyCar at St. Pete and Formula One out in Bahrain. So we're going to talk a lot about those two sports tonight and cover the Fontana weekend and some NASCAR news. So strap in, buckle up, we got a lot tonight to talk about here on Speed Zone. So let's get right into Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right, so it's this week's episode of Flag to Flagger edition, I should say. We'll start out with the Production Alliance Group 300, which actually happened after the cup race on Sunday. A snowy Saturday in Southern California. Yes, Southern California, there was snow postpone the final running of the Production Alliance Group 300 at the two-mile Auto Club Speedway, might not be two miles for much longer, uh, to Sunday night following the cup race. The race was run under the lights and with the starting lineup set by the Xfinity Series point standings after qualifying was snowed out on Saturday with Austin Hill on pole after his season opening win at Daytona. Gray Galding crashed, and Sheldon Creed made the save of the century in Stage 1, which was won by Cole Custer, who swept both Stage 1 and 2. Custer, who arguably had the fastest car and was the defending race winner, swept the first two stages again, and he, he led twice for 46 laps. But after a lap 91 restart, Custer hit the outside wall thanks to a flat tire and sustained further damage when the Chevrolet of Austin Dillon couldn't avoid Custer's wounded car on the outside and plowed right into his left rear fender. Custer finished 27th one lap down and did not recover. Multiple incidents in Stage 3 involved junior motorsports cars in which the 9 car of Brandon Jones and the 8 of Josh Berry on separate occasions cleared themselves off of Turn 4 and wrecked themselves and others. Sammy Smith was fast, but ended up spinning on the backstretch off a restart wreck with a handful of laps to go. John under scooted away for the victory, where Sam Mayer chased Nemechek for the final 12 laps, but couldn't get close enough to make a move for the win. Nemechek, who finished second by a matter of inches in the Xfinity Series season opener at Daytona, led a race-high 49 laps and finished .761 seconds ahead of runner-up Sam Mayer. Xfinity Series win for John Hunter Nemechek was the third of his career, and it came at the track where his father, Joe Nemechek, won the first cup poll of his career and the first ever poll at the venue. Justin Allgaier ran third, followed by Chandler Smith. Josh Berry was fifth, joining Junior Motorsports teammates Mayer and Allgaier in the top five. Now we'll head to the other event of the weekend, the Pala Casino 400 for the NASCAR Cup Series. Ross Chastain might have been the masterclass of the field on Sunday, but it was Kyle Busch who stole the show, winning the last cup race at the current Fontana track after scoring his maiden cup victory there in 2005. Busch grabbed the lead from Chastain on lap 165 after Chastain led both, or swept I should say, both stages one and two. but. And then he, so he stole the lead on 165, regained it on lap 180 at the end of a cycle of green flag pit stops. The race ran under green for the final 55 laps as the Lucas Oil Number Eight for Richard Childress Racing, Kyle Busch, behind or in the driver's seat, scooted away for the victory. Uh, It was the 61st of Busch's career, most among active drivers, and ninth for all, ninth all time. 19th straight season, Bush has won at least one NASCAR Cup Series race, breaking a tie with seven-time champion Richard Petty for the series record. And also, the win put the Bush brothers, Kurt and Kyle, combined at 95 total, which passes the Allison brothers of Donnie and Bobby for the most all-time a duo of uh, both or brothers winning in the Cup Series. Yeah, and Earlier on in the race, there was a big restart wreck. Uh, about midway through the race, Ryan Blaney was involved. A lot of people didn't get going in the gears about midway through the race, caused a massive stack up, and then uh, multiple cars. Corey LeJoey was a magnet for wrecks all day. Three wrecks happened in or two. The seven car two on the back stretch, and then the seven car looped it around on the front stretch, or got a little help there. But again, it was Kyle Busch with the victory on Saturday. Uh, Ross Chastain finished third after leading a race-high 91 laps to Bush's 27. Uh, and then the uh, the gap final gap was 6.673 seconds. Uh, Daniel Suarez, who is Ross Chastain's teammate, ran fourth. Kevin Harvick and his 750th consecutive Cup Series start finished fifth. Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Alex Bowman, Austin Dillon, and Joey Logano rounded out the top ten. And again, that earlier accident. Was on lap 86. Christopher Bell, Ryan Priest, Eric Almarola, Tyler Reddick, and Ryan Blaney. All were front runners that day, and then sustained heavy damage again on lap 86 on that unorthodox restart wreck on the front stretch. So again, that'll do it for this week's Flag the Flag. When we come back, we'll have what's going on, you know, a schedule of What the heck's happening this week because a lot of motorsports are happening this week we got world of outlaws we got formula one we got indycar we got three series for nascar and we got a lot to talk about up next here on speed zone so stay tuned
1: to be fully fit you have to be physically fit you also have
0: to be mentally fit i wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your
1: life I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue, but it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor to pick up on the signal that the soldier is having
2: issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with
1: it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very supportive in helping their members get the help that they need.
0: When I went to get help, I had more help than I could have asked for from my entire command. It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem. There's not a commanding officer out there or a leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help. So don't hesitate. Come ask.
1: Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020.
0: And welcome back, everybody, to Speed Zone. This is the segment of the show where this week we're just going over what the heck is going on. There's a lot on the schedule uh, for this week. We'll start out with NASCAR as, again, this weekend, Las Vegas weekend for the NASCAR All-Three Series, really. Uh, On Friday, March 3rd, will be the Truck Series. It's really the day of the Truck Series. Uh, Qualifying will be at 4.30, and then... uh, Xfinity Series qualifying at 6.30 p.m. on Friday. Again, this is March 3rd, so only two days from now. And then uh, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, for the Victoria's Voice Foundation 200 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That's on FS1. You can also tune in on MRN. Saturday, March fourth, also jam-packed on the schedule uh, for NASCAR. As 1:30 p.m. will be Cup Series qualifying at Vegas, and 2 p.m. or or excuse me, it'll be between 1:30 and two. It's practice and qualifying for NASCAR, the NASCAR Cup Series, and then the Xfinity Series will have its race 4:30 p.m. Uh, the Allsco Uni- Allsco All's Uniforms 300, let me say that right, at Las Vegas Motor Speedway again at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday on FS1. And then on Sunday, uh, it'll be the NASCAR Cup Series at 3.30 p.m. for the Pennzoil 400 presented by Jiffy Lube on Fox. Again, that's at 3.30 p.m. Then we'll swap over to Formula One. That's right, F1 is back this weekend for the Bahrain Grand Prix Practice 1. Rise and shine, bright and early, 6.25 a.m. on Friday for practice number one. That'll be on ESPN2. And practice two will be on the same day, again, March 3rd, Friday, at 9.55 a.m., again, on ESPN2. Practice three will be on Saturday, March 4th, 6.25 a.m. Yet again, again on ESPN2. Qualifying at 9.55 a.m. on ESPN2. And then finally, Sunday, 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 March 5th, it'll be the Bahrain Grand Prix starting at 9.55 a.m. on ESPN. So again, early in the morning is F1 as it's quite across the pond in the West. But again, the Bahrain Grand Prix this weekend for... Formula One. And then we'll go to the IndyCar series as Saint Petersburg is this weekend. Uh, it'll be this this Sunday at noon on NBC and on Peacock. Uh, qualifying will be the day before on Saturday. That'll be on Peacock. But again, the race will be on NBC. Again, Sunday at noon. So, And then the command to start engines will be at 12.23 p.m. So it's going to be an action-packed Sunday. You'll get wake up early in the morning. 9.55 uh, will be the beginning of the Bahrain Grand Prix. At noon, you have the IndyCar race at St. Petersburg, and then at 3.30 p.m. you got the Cup Series race from Las Vegas uh, for the NASCAR Cup Series. So it's a busy, busy, busy weekend in motorsports, uh, including the World of Outlaws is our back, I should say, uh, at Volusia this weekend for the Low-E Insulation Springs Showdown. Again, you can tune into that on Flow. And uh, again, Fifth and sixth so it'll be this Sunday and Monday. Again, it's a two-day event for the World of Outlaws series and then they're going to be right back in action next Friday, March 10th at Port Royal. So but this weekend Volusia back in on the schedule for the World of Outlaws cars. So we'll take a quick break here and then when we come back, it'll be this week's edition of the Racing Roundtable. Stay tuned. there's more up next here on Speed Zone.
1: My name is Richard Washington and this is My American Story. I see a great need in my community. I live in Harlem and I watch the children as they go along. I see a lot of issues that they have to deal with. I work with children who are on probation and that's the population that I'm interested in focusing on because I think there's a great need for them to have someone in their corner. I think retired people have a lot to offer because we have life experience, we have work experience. Very often we've raised our children already, and so we have those insights that we can bring to the table, and we have the flexibility of working in an area that we choose. Every one of us has a role to play in making our communities and our country stronger. Discover yours. Help us continue to make a difference in the life of our nation. Go to serve.gov and find the opportunity that works for you. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service.
0: Hey, if you don't wanna listen, get your earplugs ready cause we're about to hear some high octane debate. It's time for the racing round table with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? Alright, welcome to the Racing Roundtable and then we do have two panelists at the table today once again joining us, Dale Garrett and congratulations to Dale on finally receiving his championship trophy. This will be coming soon and then uh, for the first time ever, Nick Pauly, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me Dale, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Wait, 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 wait hold on Dale, now talk Dale, talk again. Great, how are you, Ben? Dale, talk one more time. Great, how are you, Ben? Your mic isn't working, Dale. I don't know why. Let's see, wait. Dale, now talk. Dale, talk now. Great, how are you, Ben? There we go! (laughs) We did it! Yeah, we did it, America. See, we figured it out. Um, See, sometimes, we got six mics here in the studio and it takes a while to figure them out. So, Dale, I finally got you. Dale, how are you feeling? For the the 18th time.
1: Great. I was ready to (laughs) jump to the mic beside of me. Uh, Okay.
0: Um, There we go. I think everything should be back in order. Nick, say
1: say hi again. Howdy.
0: There we go. All right. We're good to go. Let's start out with NASCAR. A lot happened here in this uh, past week where... Let me fix all the mics. Uh, Fontana, as I just mentioned, happened this weekend. Uh, Dale, you're an expert in everything NASCAR anything stick out to you?
1: For the Xfinity race, well, I'll go ahead and jump to the end here <clears throat> because it really bothered me. Mm. Sam Mayer was following John Hernie Machek, like follow the leader, wasn't yep. trying a different line, staying in that dirty air, not getting any clean air on the nose. I don't understand why he was doing that or if someone was telling him to do that or if he just wanted to bring the car home considering he was upside down last week. But yeah, it, it just he needed to try a different line if he wanted to catch him because I believe he was faster, and then he got loose off of two, and that was the end of it.
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was. A, honestly, I enjoyed the Xfinity race. I think both races this weekend at Fontana were very fun. Um, again, I. I think Mayer couldn't really do anything. I think his tires were pretty fried by the end there. And then John Hunter Nemechek just set sail. That 20 car was just so fast. And once Custer got knocked out of it after the restart error, I mean, that was... The only person that had anything, of course, was the only other Gibbs car on the track in Sammy Smith, and Smith was shown a lot of promise, but uh, just wasn't able to hang on. John Hunter Nemechek was more more experienced driver more than likely knew how to take care of the tires probably a bit better and then it didn't help Sammy that he got spun on that late restart. So uh, overall was a very fun race in the Xfinity series. Um, what a save though. but I mean we can't go without mentioning it. What an unbelievable save by Sheldon Creed, Nick well, you, you say what you told me earlier about <laughs> Sheldon Creed's save.
2: It, it truly takes something else just you know when you're going into a wall, to not slam on the brake pedal and you just, you know, pedal to the metal, you keep it going and put it back on the track.
0: Mm. You, you missed the part from what you, say, you said earlier. It's okay. You can say it.
2: It, it takes some gigantic test <laughs> to, uh, to pull off that maneuver there.
0: Dale, you're the driver here.
1: Offer that. What's what's your perspective on that save by Creed? So, as big as Auto Club... It was a fantastic save. I'm not, you know discrediting it here, but um, as big as Auto Club is, or I guess was now, but is currently, he had plenty of time to save that car for how wide the backstretch is. Yeah, he got turned going 100 and however many miles per hour, but he kept his foot in it and he did not quit until, you know, he didn't hit the wall, so... He, he didn't quit, and he, he kept his foot in it like any driver should. Obviously, you do want to brace yourself if you are going to hit a wall. Yeah. But ultimately, he kept his foot in it and saved the car.
0: Yeah, it was – uh, what a save by Creed. I mean, it didn't – I mean, he got right back up, up front, Uh, you know, put four fresh tires on it, and then uh, even though the, the back end was a little dinged up, uh, ultimately it was – he took – Took care of it, and it was it showed a lot of that raw talent that Sheldon Creed has, and just needs to harness it uh, to be able to win races in the Xfinity Series. But more of that, although it was kind of off of a bad block coming off of Turn Two on Barry. And speaking of Josh Barry, uh, and not this is this doesn't exclusively go for Josh Barry, but uh, it's been two interesting weekends for Junior Motorsports in a row where it it came up short, and then. It was just a mess on on Sunday night with the spotting for junior motorsports cars where Brandon Jones, you know, getting wrecking off a of turn four and then Josh, Josh Barry going eight lanes from the bottom all the way up into Tyler Reddick and just dooring him into the outside wall. It was just, what are they doing? What's going on?
1: Yeah, jo- Josh bounced off a few things, but. Yeah, just a couple. Um, I don't really know. I, I'm not exactly sure who their spotters are if they're exclusive to Xfinity because most spotters up there do cup stuff too and they just ran a mm. what is 400 mile race in the cup race and mm. then you know that is true you you as a spotter and driver myself but um, speaking from a spotter standpoint you really got focus and 400 miles at Auto Club is a long time so if if their spotters are the same as the cup spotters I could see why they potentially made some mistakes. It's simple; they were just tired.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean it was it was one heck of a race. Some mistakes, but hey, it was John Undernubechek coming out on top. And now we'll go to the cup race. So it was a busy weekend, busy Sunday at that uh, in NASCAR, where snow things got snowed out in Southern California. You know, if if you're if you have a drought. Build a NASCAR track, build a racetrack. So the that, weather
1: will find you. Yeah, it'll
0: find you, and it will coat you with enough rain or snow or water to, I don't know, give your residents water for the next millennium. Uh, it's like for the next one hundred years. They should, you know, maybe Las Vegas this weekend. Lake Mead needs it. It needs it. it. needs a little bit of water. It's running a little low. Maybe the rain will just follow NASCAR to Las Vegas. I hope not. Uh, but to finish up on Fontana, any thoughts, you guys, from the cup race?
1: Chastain definitely looked like the class of the field, like you said. The biggest takeaway is I don't think any of us expected Kyle Bush to win this early with RCR. I didn't. I know that I didn't. And, and you know, the, the speed that he showed showed me that um, he will elevate that organization, like I had originally predicted. Where does Austin Dillon fall in all this? How does he feel about it? Even though he brought Kyle Bush in, does he feel uh, left out, discredited? You know, is his, is his confidence still there? Seeing his teammates' early success, we I mean, don't know.
0: Had a good. I mean, he had a good run on Sunday, and I think a lot of personally. I had my doubts heading into the season with Austin Dillon because of his crew chief, with it being Keith Rodden, who notoriously didn't really have a strong end to the relationship with Casey Kane at Hendrick and then had had kind of disappeared for a little while before now he's resurfaced as the crew chief. I would the, say
1: that he killed Casey Kane's career.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a rough go of it for Keith Rodden the last time he was a Cup Series crew chief, but, I mean, hey, two three, really, three weeks in a row, three races in a row I should say, uh, where the three cars looked strong I mean, it looked strong at the Clash it was fast at Daytona and was up there late whether that's Austin Dillon's driving talent that got him there or Keith Rodden's strategy that's up to you, but this week you know, that three car was fast and it finished well top five, so I mean R.C.R. has some serious speed right now, and uh, Kyle Busch is at the at the receiving end of it. And I, I, you know, if Austin Dillon gets his this year, I'm sure he won't be too torn up about it. If anything, I think Austin's thrilled because it means that this worked. His 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 whole initiative of trying to get Kyle Busch on this team it worked and it paid off. R.C.R. wins a race in the season before Hendrick does. And when's the last time? You want to know the last time? Fun fact, the last time two Chevrolet teams that were not Hendrick Motorsports won races to open the season uh, was 2001. Wow. That was the last time, and it was two DEI cars back-to-back. That was the last season that two Chevrolet teams that were not Hendrick Motorsports, or two Hendrick drivers, I should say, that weren't Hendrick drivers, one to open up the season. This is, that's a crazy stat to me, but uh, it's true, and it's wild. So, yeah, it was just uh, Chastain was the class of the field and just couldn't get it done, but Trackhouse was just so strong. Uh, they had to Las Vegas, and Chastain, for Vegas last year for Chastain was really his breakout race, because Auto Club was weird, and Daytona was Daytona, so I fully believe, you know, I Chastain probably will go there next week, do well again, but got a sting sweeping both stages, having such a fast car and then I mean, to use Chastain's words late in the race, he's just Kyle Bush found something in the third, he was faster. Uh I guess to close out Fontana talk, for Kyle Bush, you know, what does this mean for him as a driver as he goes out and he proves to you know, Toyota Racing Development, everybody that doubted him at the end of last year and said, oh, you know, we can do without Kyle Busch, and he goes out and wins a race before Toyota this year. You know, what does this mean for Kyle Busch's career?
1: So, what, this is a weird thing for me. I never liked Kyle Busch growing up. Never did. However, watching him late at Fontana with a, with a new team behind the wheel of a Chevrolet again in the 8 car, it just, it feels different. And I think If you look back at a lot of examples of veteran drivers who were hated by a majority of the fans late in their careers became respected, I think Kyle Busch is at that point. You look at uh, Tony Stewart comes to mind, Jimmy Johnson, just to name a few. Most people did not like them, but toward the end of their careers, they were loved. And there were no boos when Kyle got out of the car. And, you know, he's 37, so he still has quite a few years left but I think it'll be very interesting going forward to see fans um, perception of him now that he's in this new ride
0: all right yeah I I completely agree where it's I didn't hear a boo there no. was no booing on Sunday when Kyle Busch won and that's like it's not even like seeing a double rainbow I mean it's like it's like seeing a I don't know a unicorn because unicorns don't exist This doesn't happen. And then Kyle Busch didn't get booed. It's because I wasn't there. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Another topic uh, at hand today. This just happened today. Just a few hours ago, this news came out. Uh, It's no secret. Kevin Harvick, uh, he's retiring at the end of this year from full-time Cup Series competition in NASCAR. And Ross Chastain, obviously fresh off of a big performance, uh, at Auto Club Speedway, Kevin Harvick, you know, sponsored by Busch Light, Anheuser Busch, who also produces Budweiser and multiple other beers, but as of right now, sponsors the four-car with Busch Light and Busch Beer, uh, is going to be looking for a new driver next year after Kevin Harvick leaves, and Ross Chastain, said to be the favorite today, so if it doesn't necessarily go to Chastain, because, I mean, the one car... If there's one thing it doesn't really need is sponsorship, because that car is full the entire year. Between you guys, who who really fits the bill for the next Budweiser driver here in the Cup Series after Kevin Harvick leaves?
1: As far as images go, I mean, Chastain fits it, I believe, coming from a watermelon farming background. You know, kind of the kind of the redneck sort of blue collar vibe that he gives off. I mean. He's not like, you know, Budweiser-Dale Jr. pairing. That's all I'm talking about here. But I think that it would make sense um, to go the Trackhouse way, especially with how Trackhouse is evolving as a team as well. I think that there's longevity in performance. Um, But certainly I think Bush is still making a mistake not having – kyle bush as as their driver Mm. but i mean that's a majority opinion on that and i just think it'd be a great marketing idea and it'd be hilarious
0: yeah bush in a bush car yeah bush and bush bush and bush yeah um nick you got anybody in mind you know i i
2: really don't have a dog in this fight Uh, (laughs) you know i'm i'm i didn't grow up watching nascar but obviously for this car you got to go with you know a big name um, I, I do think that, you know, Chastain makes the most sense. You could throw Bush in there like Dale said, but I think Chastain makes the most sense.
0: All right. So just one final topic here in NASCAR, before we close things off and head to IndyCar and Formula One, uh, it'll be IndyCar first, then Formula One, uh, just some news uh, a few days ago. Uh, Kenny Wallace and John Roberts are going to work to bring back uh, NASCAR Race Day, at least Race Day Live, that is, uh, where if you've been watching NASCAR for a while, about 10 years ago, or 12 years ago was the last time there was a Race Day Live, and it was a massive event in the 2000s where, you know, part, as part of the traveling circus that is the NASCAR Cup Series, uh, Speed Channel would bring its NASCAR Race Day Booth or not booth, but uh, it's set set uh, to each race, and it'd be Kenny Wallace, John Roberts um, hosting it. Uh, You had usually D.W. on there, Larry McReynolds, just Michael Waltrip, really anybody involved. Uh, And then they when they did away with it at the end of 2011 for more than likely budget reasons, uh, but. They have been working to try and bring it back. And it won't be a Fox-sanctioned thing. But race day, I mean, it would host drivers and team owners and everybody. And it would be essentially a talk show with all these fans behind it. Kind of like College Game Day. It's like, if you ever watched College Game Day on ESPN? It's like that, but the NASCAR version of it. Except also not at 9 in the morning. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Kenny Wallace, John Roberts bringing it back at Bristol... Should this be a thing that comes back, I guess, permanently for NASCAR races in the future because it generates a good vibe, good energy? The fans have wanted it back for over a decade now. Should it come back? And, Nick, to include you in this question, too, should IndyCar and or even F1 for the American races consider adding something along the lines of having a a college game day type thing such as race day, on the day of a race or really during the weekend of a race.
2: Absolutely, you know, uh, anything that'll add to the fan experience and racing and motorsports have fans like no other, you know, very, very passionate about their drivers and their teams and they, they want to see them. So I, I think that, you know, NASCAR, no brainer, you know, how many people are at each track? A lot. (laughs) A Um, lot. you did this is something that, you know, adds to the experience. I think racing in general is becoming bigger in the United States all series, no matter if it's, you know, I think NASCAR is even experiencing some type of American growth, which I know is weird to say, but you know, IndyCar and Formula One and stuff like that, uh, I think something needs to be done special for these races especially Formula 1 coming over. you you got to set them apart from the European market, being owned by an American company now. Do something big.
1: (laughs) For certain, please bring it back and make it regular. I remember as a fan um, back in the 2000s when they did it all the time, watching it, you could just feel the energy. There was more hype around the race than there ever was now. Like You could just take any race from that era – air nascar race day and there's more hype and energy in there than there has been for the past five ten daytona 500s by a landslide john roberts kenny wallace that duo is unlike anything else throw larry mack in there dw michael uh anybody else that wanted to show up really it's just it needs to be done to improve fan experience like nick said um, across all forms of motorsports, but generally NASCAR speaking, it just feels kind of empty without it. It just feels
0: right, you know? I, I, As someone who, the last time I went to a NASCAR, or got the opportunity to go attend the filming of one of the NASCAR race day lives, was uh, 2011 at Richmond in the fall, and it was a, such a fun, unique experience because you would you would get a fan energy like unlike no other. Where I mean, you'd see fans carrying around signs and just trying everything to get on TV. Um, my dad and I joke, and I know he's listening right now, but there was this guy standing in the background of one of them wearing a shirt that just said "Clown Sucks." I don't know what it means, but <laughs> it just said clown sucks. I don't know. Uh, but I, I miss things like that. I want to see clown sucks guy back. I want him to come back, and I want him to be on Fox or FS1 or wherever they put it. Uh, they, uh, I, I just miss that experience. I think it just brought such a unique energy. Um, they they kind of – I think it was – I don't know if it was in 20. 12 too it might have been uh even if it was it was kind of a bit of a neutered version of it but it just got done away with with speed channel ending and really all that and it just brought such a special energy and I think the fans need it NASCAR needs it if it's going to want to try and expand back to that era of when it just had so much like a circus energy at the track it's kind of gone away in the past few years where they've uh, consolidated a lot of the merchandise haulers. Where I mean, back in the day, so every driver used to basically have a hauler. Um, and it was a, a full event of a weekend, you know, four days or more, you would go and camp there. Now it's just, I mean, two. Everything's consolidated and everything. But I think if NASCAR is going to try and grow back to that, it would need to, I think it's starting with something like bringing race day back would be a massive change in a, in a good direction
1: i think that they've tried to move away from the party stereotype at least in the past five or ten years that's probably part of why they did weigh with it a little bit if that's i had true. to guess but it, it it seems with gen z culture now is they're kind of coming back to it especially with like social media influencers dressing up as rednecks going to races and partying whatever it's hilarious content Um, just if they were to bring that back certainly certainly that would um, amplify the party aspect a little bit more but all the way around for nostalgic reasons for hype reasons it needs to be done something of the equivalent of NASCAR race day Needs to be done every single week, everywhere, because it just gets people hyped up, and it's just fantastic television.
0: And I, I completely agree. So, uh, with with that, it'll end our NASCAR discussion for tonight. And coming up next on the racing roundtable section section of the show, we're going to have some IndyCar talk for the first time. That's right, this is not just a NASCAR show, it's a motorsports show. We're going to talk a little IndyCar, preview of the season, some changes in the off season, and anything that pokes out right before the season opener this weekend in St. Pete. More coming up right next on Speed Zone.
1: My name is Tamara Anthony, and this is my American story. I am a St. Louis AmeriCorps member on the education team. I tutor at elementary schools. Her name is Janaya, And when I met her, she was five years old, and she knew three letters, J, X, B. This kid is wonderful. Her spirit is just, just radiating. She's just awesome. But how did she slip through the cracks? And I just started working with her. And by the end of the year, Janaya was reading like a pro. It is my life's purpose to serve. If you're not helping somebody else, you're doing a huge disservice to the rest of the universe. Every one of us has a role to play in making our communities and our country stronger. Discover yours. Help us continue to make a difference in the life of our nation. Go to serve.gov and find the opportunity that works for you. This message is brought to you by the Corporation for National and Community Service.
0: And welcome... Oh, whoa. That is, that's a car just drove by me. Sorry for screaming. I'm just kidding. That wasn't actually a car. It was a sound effect that wasn't supposed to play. Uh, but actually, you know what it is? Because we're starting up a new topic. IndyCar! Even though that was the sound of a NASCAR. Um, we're on to IndyCar, and there's a lot to talk about for this upcoming season. Uh, again, I'm on the show. I'm Ben Cower, joined by Nick Pauly, Dale Garrett, You're on the Racing Roundtable... Segment here in Speed Zone, Nick. We'll start with you on this one. There's a lot to talk about this upcoming season. What are you just looking for in this IndyCar season as it as it fastly approaches?
2: Personally, I'm looking for you know McLaren to come out strong. Hopefully, you know actually do something with Pato, uh, other than just win some races. Uh, obviously, I'd like to see them win the championship. But you gotta expect. to be strong and leading the front, and then you know you got Chip Ganassi too and Scott Dixon. Don't count them out, and you know Andretti could possibly you know rebound from their low years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, There's there's a lot of new faces and new places this year for IndyCar, Uh, and it's going to be one heck of a rookie battle this season Mm. too. That's that's one thing I'm keeping my eye on. I mean, you have you have uh, Benjamin Peterson. At AJ Foyt now. Marcus Armstrong, who's not running the full season for Chip Ganassi in the 11 car. He's splitting some of the races with Takuma Sato. Uh, But Marcus Armstrong is certainly going to be one to keep an eye on. Stingray Rob. There we go. The best
1: name ever. Stingray Rob. Dale, what a great name. Some type of, uh, I don't know, some aquarium company or something needs to get on board (laughs) with him. There's There's a massive opportunity here. Nick, can you tell
0: the story of how Stingray Rob got his name? I was just fascinated by that earlier you told us. So,
2: I will pull it up now. It kind of ruins it cuz you know, it's not yeah. it's not after the, you know, the the car, the car or anything.
0: But it's still interesting. Mm-hmm.
2: Coming from Boise, Idaho, they uh, his parents decided to name him after the place where his ances- ancestors lived, uh, Shirlingshire, Scotland which they somehow shortened to Sting. And then Ray just comes from his grandfather's name. It's
0: ah, yeah. But you know what? Stingrays is still Stingray Rob. What a cool name. You got to say all three words. You can't just say Sting Rob. Ray Rob would be boring. It would be alliterative and you know R and R, but R and R isn't exactly what you want for a race car driver. Rest and re- relaxation, you know. It's the opposite. It's the antithesis. Dale,
1: I'm making you giggle in there. Yeah, it it. i it's, it's, it's something. I, it's like Lightning McQueen. It's something out of a movie. Ah, uh, yeah. They.
0: What else? What else? We got. Um. Or what teams are really sticking? I like. You want to talk about McLaren? Mm-hmm. Nick, you're a massive McLaren fan. Yes, sir. I think we differ on how McLaren has approached this season. You like what are you, what are your thoughts on how McLaren's approaching this season in IndyCar with it's now expanding to 3 cars?
2: To be honest, I don't know what to think about it. Um more orange on the field for me to see, obviously I get that's fun for me, but you have Rossi coming in and he's not gonna want to play second fiddle to Pato. That's he's, exactly. that's not his mentality. He wants to lead the team, but obviously Pato is that guy he is he's a strong racer uh rumored you know they're wanting him to come over to f1 which that's that would be a big step for him but yeah. he needs
0: more points to do that and alongside polo and herda um, and yeah <laughs> everybody dale is mclaren offered you a contract yet no well, let's get zach brown on that they've signed about half the field <laughs> but hey, dale garrett is a champion and I think he should drive for McLaren. There we go, Dale. What do you think about that? You want to go drive for McLaren?
1: I have one career win and one championship. Come call me. <laughs> hey, you know what? You're a champion. <laughs> That's right. Not Zach Bryant, look at. Would you, you got think a trophy? He, I'll get it this weekend. Yeah, there, there we you go. Go.
0: <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we go. And Dale, you think you would look good in orange, like McLaren orange? It would match my hair. Mm. There, we <laughs> there we go. That's what they're missing. <laughs> Oh, um, what else, what else, what else? We have, I mean, uh, continuing on McLaren, I guess I don't like that McLaren's expanding to three before it won a championship with two. It's yeah. It's like, I think if it, uh, having that, I, well, maybe this might be either it's Zach Brown wanting rapid-fire expansion, or it didn't want to get rid of Rosenquist, because I don't think Rosenquist was bad enough to get fired, but Not he all. hasn't lived up to expectations Coming from how good he was at Chip Ganassi, and I don't know. I just I think they should focus on having two cars instead mm-hmm. of three. And exactly as you said, Rossi's not going to want to be a number two guy there. Already had some issues with that at, at Andretti, whether he was definitively the number one guy there or not, with you know Grosjean and and Herta in the mix there. Uh, I don't know. I. I just disagree with going to three for winning a title of mm-hmm. two because I mean ultimately you have to in my theory is that you have to play a different game mm-hmm. than what Penske is playing, to beat Penske. It's it's the You can't old, beat them with their game. Yeah. That's it's not gonna happen. It's and the money ball method, essentially, where you don't wanna like yeah. go out and build a team of misfits, so to say, but not an in IndyCar, especially when you have the money that McLaren has. Mm-hmm. But uh, Pen, you know, Penske's a three-car team. Yeah, McLaren wasn't. Now it is. And Penske owns the series. It's the yeah. most storied team here. And I don't think you expand a three to compete against Penske's three-car team and to beat Penske after Penske just won the yeah. title.
2: And that's that wasn't even the talk of last season. It was, you know, McLaren went out, they signed Palo, and they got Rossi, obviously, mm and the the subject was okay uh what's going to happen to Rosenquist what team is he going to go to and nothing was coming out so then it just kind of it lingered for a while and then they're like oh we're going to run three cars a season yeah and it is that kind of rapid fire expansion which you're not being it you can't Allocate your resources that way. If you haven't won, you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta have a number one guy put everything, put your chips on black with him, and do everything you can to make him win. Which now that you got Rossi wanting to fight for that spot, it's gonna be tough to do that because you you gotta hear him out.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or else Rossi's gonna let it be known mm-hmm. that he's not being heard yeah. out. Uh, I guess just to finish up with with IndyCar, I mean, there's uh, one one team that really sticks out to me is is uh, Junco's Hollinger, which is rapidly expanding. It's gone from not even being a full-time team three years ago, and now it has Callum Islet and rookie Augustin Canapino, who's coming from Argentina. And Canapino is not exactly your average rookie. He's 33 years old. I mean, he's one of the most successful drivers ever from that country that drive drove within that country. And he was up to speed in testing and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can that team do this year? To it's only the it's in the the dilemma of Dale Coyne, yeah. where you know it has two good drivers. One of them a very young guy, and then you know, Stingray Rob isn't old, but he he sounds like he's from the 1950s. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's just a two car team in a, in a three to four car team sport. And yeah. it's, you know, I think it's it's a David versus Goliath situation, but I think the driver lineups there are very solid.
2: Yeah, they have obviously in Callum Eilott, you know, this is the second year. He's got his experience now, knows what to look forward to in this season, knows how to perform this season. That was something that he did very well last year as a rookie. Um, he You're going to have to watch out for him. He's going to be great. You know, he – He's from the UK, started off karting there. Uh couldn't really make it into the higher divisions of Formula 1 cuz it's an expensive sport. Got to have, you know, parents with money and but he came over here. I I think you're going to have to look out for Callum Islet.
0: Yeah, and uh I guess the last thing last last thing we'll talk about with any car is is Andretti cuz I think that's mm-hmm. the last big yes. question mark here is. Who's going to be the leader at that team? I mean, Rossi was already a bit undefined of his role, but I mean you have Kyle Kirkwood coming over after his rookie mm-hmm. season on loan at AJ Foyt's team yeah. and then uh, Colton Herda who almost got the shot in F1 before <laughs> everything with the super license went down. Uh Romain Grosjean and that who's from F1 and had a bit of a sophomore slump last year to put things lightly and then uh Devlin DeFrancesco who I don't think anybody's expecting him to be the leader there, but uh, Nick, what's your take? I mean, who's going to emerge from that situation the leader? Don't know, honestly, do not know, and that that's
2: that's the thing with Andretti. Um, obviously, they haven't performed how they've wanted to the past few years, uh, and they're wanting to have a rebound season. But you would think that it's herda that's going to lead the team, but it could be Grosjean. Grosjean's very experienced with racing and he knows how to get every ounce of performance out of his car and it's a huge question mark and it's about like uh penske honestly yeah uh, you new garden and will power being teammates fighting for the championship last year uh new garden obviously he is a two-time champion but now is bill powers so you you don't know who is going to lead Penske this year. Yeah,
0: no. I, I, I mean, I'm sure there's—they seem to be fairly in harmony, but then again, I mean, all three of those drivers are capable of winning the title, and you know, Will Power gets a second. Joseph Newgarden's got multiple. I mean, Scott McLaughlin looked good enough last mm-hmm. year to win the title and certainly could go out and win it this year, and— I don't know. I feel like so. if you have a, a three-team of, of guys, going back to McLaren too, mm-hmm. you're going to have one that's happy, one that's frustrated that they're in second, and then one that is just there.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: either there or just, you know, they're, they they have the ability to go out and do well, but things are just not going their way. And I, I think Penske's going to have that this year where I don't think power repeats he didn't in 2014. He was, you know, no. he's always good, but uh, I don't think power repeats. I think Scotty McLaughlin is going to have the best. I think he goes out. If anybody from Penske is going to win this year, I yeah. think McLaughlin goes out and gets it. But yeah, it's going to be a doozy this year. Penske, I mean, at three. Andretti at four. Uh, McLaren now at three. Four for the 500. Ganassi, the powerhouse, obviously at four. Um, It'll be a fun lame duck season to witness. Uh, Scott Dixon refusing to retire. He'll probably go out and win the title again. Um, uh, Just a lot to look at in IndyCar this year. So many good teams. A healthy field yet again, just chock full of talent. And from that... At the end of this IndyCar discussion, we'll head into Formula One. There's you know, we got a couple minutes left in the show, so we'll keep it short here with Formula One, but we'll talk about the testing first. Some interesting results there, Nick. I mean a lot to uh digest after testing. Yes. Who was sandbagging, who wasn't, who showed their full hand. What are you what are your takeaways from the testing for Formula One?
2: I think the the most deformative thing that I can give you Is uh, Red Bull's going to be number one? You know, they came out of the gates with that same dominance they ended with last year, and matter of fact, improved on it. And teams in high spirits. uh, Then you've got Ferrari that, you know, looks like they're ahead of Mercedes. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, still in Red Bull's shadow, but they're trying to get to the top. Um, But Mercedes. They seem less prepared than Aston Martin going to the season. Aston Martin has a very very good understanding of their car and Mercedes was over the three days they were just having to tweak around with so many things obviously struggled day two had a stronger day three but they don't they don't seem very optimistic which Kinda, yeah. <laughs> sounds like McLaren. They are yep. downplaying the season. You know, they're they're still waiting on their facilities to come into play. Um, you know, COVID delays, all that kind of stuff. They don't have their wind tunnel, and I think for McLaren, this is the last year they have an excuse. Yeah. If twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five, if they are not challenging the front,
0: then what are they going to do? They they have no more excuses. And it, from what it sounded like out of testing, I mean, again, I don't know how good that car is going to be this year for McLaren, where, I mean, just Norris seemed very frustrated with it. It seemed from reporters that were there, it seemed very hard to drive. And uh, talking about no excuses, I mean, this is Norris's mm. definitive car. I mean, last year it was also Norris's car where, I mean, he did – fairly well in it uh didn't win but it it was solely in Norris's ballpark and that's kind of what ran off Ricardo because Ricardo just couldn't get a handle on the car that was purpose-built for Lando and then they go out this year and now you have Oscar Piastri as his teammate maybe a one done I don't know how long his contract is but I mean this is a car that is for Lando and now it's uh, I mean People are saying that it might be one of the slowest cars this year. It's just a rough situation. Yeah.
2: it For McLaren, it doesn't matter if they make it around Lando, and it's still a terrible car. There's, It's very uncharacteristic for Lando to act this way, especially the way he's maturing as a racer. But Will Buxton reported that he saw Lando walking out of the testing scene or testing garage, and... Uh, he actually punched a wall. It wasn't very hard, not mm-hmm. hard enough to, you know, damage it or knock it over because they just set him up in the garages. But he he, he was frustrated, kind of
0: pounded the wall, you know. Um, a little angry. I mean, yeah. it, I would be angry too if mm-hmm. – I mean, this is kind of – your skill is – finally being honed in i mean this is the year where he's probably being expected to win now that ricardo is gone he has a rookie teammate this is the year where lando takes that next step and then now the cars is not there uh, speaking of a, a a team that really might take the next step i mean aston martin you know now yes. it was very fast in testing and aston goes out there you know, third fourth was it was it is it a matter of other teams sandbagging or is aston really that fast after a miserable last year I think there is a matter of team sandbagging. You know, that's F1
2: practice. We don't know if Aston Martin was primarily running, uh, you know, low fuel runs and getting them faster lap times. They kind of did the same thing last year where they came out of the gates in preseason testing uh, looking very strong. And then first race, they were terrible. I hate to say yeah. it, but <laughs> they were not fast at all, could not keep up. But this year they got Fernando. They seem to have a understanding of the car. And uh, they they're saying that there's still more to unlock, which looks promising to them. And you know, kind of with McLaren, they they they're saying that they know what was wrong with the car. They have known what's wrong with the car for some time. Hmm. And they actually have an upgrade package rolling out by Baku. And that's only Ooh. the third race in.
0: There we so, go. Uh, yeah. Then you have. Uh just just for the nick of time, because we're at, we're at the top of the hour, so we're going to roll it up this year soon. But we want to finish up this discussion with F one uh, Williams. You know, Williams. I don't know about the speed this year, but the thing that sticks out to me there is obviously Logan Sargent. I mean, yes. that's first American driver in F one in a while. Uh, Twenty fifteen, I believe. Yeah, Dale. If he's anything like his brother, <laughs> this will be interesting. <laughs> yeah. uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Logan Sargent's brother. Dalton, the sergeant, was a, at one time a NASCAR driver. Hasn't been in a while. But, I mean, Logan's been a good driver. He really proved himself in F2. And, I mean, he earned this shot in F1. I mean, Williams has a good lineup this year mm-hmm. with him and Albon. Interesting to see what it can do.
2: Yeah, that's, that's Williams' strong suit going into the season as their driver lineup. They've made leaps and bounds since last year, but they're still some of last year's weaknesses being shown and it still looks like unfortunately for such a historic team they are going to be the slowest car once again. Mm -hmm. Well I say that but Alpine actually ran the slowest lap times but uh,
0: many people are reporting
2: that they are heavily sandbagging and that we should expect them competing for that fourth spot, maybe challenging Mercedes even.
0: I, I just find I would be hard pressed to see Gasly jump ship and go to a slower team you yeah know, it's just like i don't think i think i agree i think they're sandbagging uh Gasly's wanted that opportunity for so well, yeah. long now french french driver on a french team mm-hmm. he's wanted that and i think he makes the most of it that'll be a, a yeah. team to watch this year all right so final thing who's going to go out and win the f1 title this year dale who, who's going to win it
1: max for seven. why Max Verstappen.
0: <laughs> Nick, who's gonna go out and win the F one title this year? Gotta be Max Verstappen.
2: Number one driver at Red Bull, but the best team, best car,
0: he's gonna go out and win it. Mm, do I dare say that I don't think I don't think Verstappen wins it this year? He I does think, the three peat I don't know. I don't know. I'll I'll be the I'll play the dark or I'll I'll play the uh the the fool in this situation, I guess. I don't know. It's f- Fernando. That's what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not gonna say Fernando. I'm not that off kilt. Um, I I don't know. I, and I'm not gonna say Ferrari either because. Nah, uh, I don't know. I think Sergio might get it. I mean, Checo Perez might get it. This might be the. This might be the. It's like when Lewis lost. You know. It's like I'm. I'm blanking on his name. I, I don't know why. Nico. Nico. Yeah, to Holkenberg. Or not. Hol- yeah, not Holkenberg. Uh, the other Berg. Rosberg. Rosberg. The other. <laughs> the other <laughs> I like that. The other Berg. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's it'll be like the Nico Rosberg year where I think Paris might get it this year. I don't know, but I think it's going to take a lot of bad luck for Verstappen because I don't know if he's going to get his third straight. Or
2: yeah. uh, If. Verstappen struggles early on, you know, reliability or whatever, and Checo gets a big gap, obviously Christian Horner's going to have to put all of his chips on Checo. But.
0: Yeah. I, I don't know. I just think Perez is going to have a luckier season than Verstappen. That's just my gut feeling. But then again, my gut feeling, I had, I had a bad gut feeling in episode one about something and then the opposite. I, I said Jimmy Johnson was going to miss a Daytona 500. And
1: yeah, look night. how that turned out for you. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go that way. Well.
0: <laughs> well, Jimmy got, he racked. So it was,
1: he was still in the race. He, he was, was in still the in race. the lead pack.
0: Yeah, he they was. They did Jimmy
2: dirty. They did my boy <laughs> dirty. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right, all right. That'll close it out for tonight. So, as the outro rolls, Dale Garrett, Nick Pauly, thank you guys for being on the show tonight. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you guys on the Racing Roundtable. Formula 1 IndyCar, NASCAR all got covered tonight. Next week, we're going to be doing the same. Again, I'm Ben Cowher. It's a pleasure getting to host this show for you, Speed Zone, next week. It'll be back at more than likely 7.30 p.m., so make sure to tune in. For Ben Coward, Dale Garrett, Nick Hawley, this is Speed Zone. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.